0: The Lord be with you. And also A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. On that day, as evening drew on, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us cross to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took Jesus with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. A violent squall came up and waves were breaking over the boat so that it was already filling up. Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Quiet, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith? They were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this whom even wind and sea obey? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When I was a young pastor, um, like Pastor Vith, my first uh, call was in a small parish. And in a small parish, the pastor is everything. All right, From the maintenance guy, to the youth director, to... Oh, you name it, all right. Well, I enjoyed working with our youth and uh, I also enjoy the outdoors and I enjoy backpacking. Did a lot, my younger years. And so I asked the kids, and this is in Chicago, they really had never done anything quite like this. Um, I said, you know, how would you like to go on a backpacking trip this coming summer and we're gonna go to Isle Royal. Now, any of you know where Isle Royal National Park is? Anyone? A few of you. Well, it's up in Lake Superior, closer to the Canadian border. And there's only three ways to reach it. A boat that leaves out of Copper Harbor, Michigan, way up in the UP. One in Houghton, Michigan, a little lower than that. And then you can also take a seaplane. All right? Well, being cheap youth group we are. We took the cheapest we could. We had the boat that go out of Copper Harbor. Now, this boat is a smaller boat. It's maybe from here to the end of the church. And, uh, you know, Lake Superior is pretty big. Well, as we were driving up there in our group, there was about 12 of us. There was a terrible storm. I mean, just to get up to Copper Harbor took a lot. And uh, we're in the car and we're wondering, are we going to be able to go out on the boat the next day? Well, the next day comes and it is just one of the most beautiful, beautiful days in Upper Michigan. Absolutely, uh, uh, you know, a a robin egg blue sky, hardly any clouds, and the water in the harbor of Copper Harbor, which is a beautiful, beautiful harbor, is still. It's calm. Praise God. Well, we are in the boat, and then as we get out from the harbor, the waves are getting choppier and choppier and choppier and choppier, until now we are like you can't see land, and these waves, no joke, are over 15 feet. I I come to learn subsequently that uh, when storms happen in Lake Superior, they are... they they can churn the waters up, and these waters can be churned up for a while. Well, we were out there churning with the waves. And uh, it was getting very intense. The captain was having to keep turning the boat because these waves were pushing the boat. And and in order to go like those waves, you don't go sideways. (laughs) You know, you have to go right into the waves. So the boat is going up and going down, and you can imagine how our youth group is faring. Um, After throwing up, they are all in the cabin, and I couldn't stand it in the cabin because of the smell, and also the diesel fumes were coming in there, okay? I said, I can't. I'm out in the front of the boat, like, clutching on for dear life, like, praying, thinking, oh, God, what's going to happen? And I, seriously, we finally, praise God, obviously, because I'm here today, uh, we made it. As we were coming out of the boat, the captain was there. I said, well, God, great job, captain. Uh, he says, I've been doing this for 40 years, and I've got to tell you, I've hardly ever seen anything like this on Lake Superior. And, of course, what I'm doing on the boat is thinking about the Edmund Fitzgerald and humming the Gordon Lightfoot song that goes with it. Those of you, that dates me, but okay. And it's like, well, we made it. And uh, I got our little group in a circle. I felt like the Pope because I knelt down, kissed the ground. And I had a prayer of thanksgiving. And of course, for the next week, as we were backpacking, every evening you would hear prayers at devotion time. Lord, please give us safe sailing back home. <laughs> well, you know, then I think of dis- the disciples today in this boat. And they might well express the opinion of many people who have shaky or uncertain faith at times. Because they're in the open waters of the Sea of Galilee, which can be ch- Very much like Lake Superior, I guess. Terrible squalls can come upon it. There's a fierce storm. And the waves are literally coming over into the boat. And where is Jesus in the midst of all this? Sleeping in a mattress in the back. Now, I do not know how anybody, like on a boat like I was, I don't know how anybody would sleep through that. But here the Lord is sleeping. And what do they do? They come up to him and say, hey, Jesus, teacher, don't you care? We're going to perish. Look, just wake up and look. I think when the storms of life rage, people also can find themselves protesting with the same cry, don't you care? Don't you care? Where's God when I need him most? After all, isn't God's supposed to be the captain of the ship, right? Yeah, the commander. Shouldn't he be at the helm rather than ensconced in the back on a mattress sleeping? What kind of captain is that that would probably shake anyone's confidence? Is it any wonder they were concerned. Heck, I'd be terrified. I was terrified on that ship. I can understand. I think put into perspective, a lot of people have this question. Where is God in the midst of everything? I mean, just where's God in this pandemic, during the shutdown and everything else, where people couldn't even visit their loved ones, when sick in the hospital? Nursing homes. Where's God in all of this? Well, most of us are probably too far removed from the perils of the sea to understand the terror, the fear, the anxiety that these disciples felt. But just like I said a moment ago, I think all of us face some storms in life. And these storms can be intense and as frightening and terrifying as anything on that boat in the Sea of Galilee. You get a phone call that you never expected. Someone you deeply love is very sick and they're not gonna make it. You have worries about keeping your job. Are you gonna be able to make it for your family? You have anxieties about the future. What does it bring? I mean, a lot of young people, like, what am I going to do in life? Where do I go? What kind of job am I going to have? What about the fear of being left alone? Just before my retirement here at Trinity, my mother died. And my father is still wrestling with that fear of being alone. Because his helpmate... For 60 some years. 68 years. It's gone. These fears are real. And we face them in our lives all the time. So many different storms. Well, the disciples had to learn who Jesus was. Who was this man? who asked them to put out at night on the boat to go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. These were fishermen. Um, They could read weather like, really, Jesus? Okay, if you said it, we'll do it. Who was this man who could calm the storm? The sea would obey his word. Well, just like those Christian believers, those disciples back then, you and I need to learn that lesson over and over and over again. Who is this Jesus that we call Lord? So, if at times we find our faith lacking because of our fear being overwhelmed, and we get to the point that we ask, Where is Jesus in all this? Where is God? I mean, we have to ask the question this morning, what do we really want from God? What do we want from Him? What do you want from God? This morning, in your life. But is that the real question? Maybe the real question of this story is what does our Lord want to give us? When the storm had calmed, Jesus rebuked it and said, be quiet, be still. He then turned to his disciples, (laughs) terrified from the storm, and now asked them two questions. Why are you so terrified? And the second question that came right after it is, do you not yet have faith? What a contrast to the question that they asked. Teacher, don't you care? You know, Jesus is the picture of calm and peace Serenity in this storm. I mean, he's sleeping on a cushion. Well, the disciples are frantic. They're the picture of fear, anxiety, distress. <laughs> wow. Don't you care on the one hand? Why are you terrified on the other? As I look at that, That's probably the two ways of dealing with the storms that we have that come into our lives. Two alternatives fear and faith. Well, of course, Jesus cared. I mean, look, he woke up, he rebuked the wind, he silenced the sea, he was in the boat! His little boat and those scared passengers, disciples, reach the other side safely. And what's so interesting about this story is that what what they experienced on that boat was so powerful in their formation of faith in Jesus that all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all record this incident. Because the Gospels don't always tell us the same stories of what happened to Jesus and the disciples. But all four of them record this story. So it's really important. And they would tell as they gathered and evangelized and Christians would gather around the table of the Lord way back then. They would recite the story and tell what they learned. You know what I think? One of the things they learned? Storms always aren't bad. Oh, they can be bad. They can be really bad. They can be terrifying. But sometimes... You know, we don't want a rocking boat, do we? It's like the old song, Don't Rock the Boat. Don't Tip the Boat Over. All right? We don't like a rocking boat. But sometimes... We have to have our boat rocked to wake us up. Because there's something worse than a storm. It can be actually too much calmness. I mean, think about it. When it's smooth sailing, I love smooth sailing. Man, I love smooth sailing. You know, I'm I'm building a boat with my wife. Okay, this was our, gosh, what was it? Our 45th, I can't even remember the anniversary, right, at this moment. Anyway, a long anniversary, and she always wanted this boat. And I said, all right, I surprised her by getting a kit, all right? It's like a gigantic Lego set. (laughs) And we're learning as we go along. But anyways, when we finish this boat, I want to go on calm waters because it's a little tiny boat, okay? And I just want it smooth sailing. Well, fine. And we like that calmness. We like it in our lives. You know, gosh, we don't have to worry about paying bills. Uh, We like our job. You know, everything is going well. Our kids are all above average. They're doing just great. You know, our grandkids are doing well. We're just coasting along. Isn't that great? Who doesn't want that? Right? Who doesn't want it? Well, when those calm times come... You know what can happen too. We can forget God. We can get actually very busy in the calmness of our busy lives, and you know, uh, things happen, and then you kind of miss coming to the Eucharist, and then. You miss again, and you feel bad, but then, you know, something happens, and, you know, it's always one thing after another, and life just goes on, and it's sort of like what happened in, you know, a pandemic, you know, everything shuts down, and we all get our bunny slippers on, we could have our coffee, even eat breakfast, kick back, and watch Pastor Melky, all right? I mean, wow, it was great, you know, and you could even have spiritual communion reading that little prayer on the screen, it was so great. Yeah. And now that we can all be back together and is not great, is it not great to be back together? I mean, praise God. But but what happens is I think a lot of people, hey and some of you out there in digital world, all right, it's just so much easier to what? Hey, stick at home. Yeah, it is. And what really happens is that we begin to think that we are the captains of our own ships. That we're the commanders. Uh-huh. Dr. Martin Luther once wrote these powerful words and it was based on this text. Look it on the screen. Follow along as I read. To rely on yourself and forget God is the very cesspool of evil. On the other hand, to seek after God is the sum of all good. Think about that. When we look to ourselves, we rely on ourselves, what's going to happen? It's going to fall apart. Okay? It just is. But when we seek God, it's the sum of all good. You know what storms do? The storms that come into our life that disturb us, rattle us to the core, and we get scared, we get terrified, just like the disciples on the boat. What it does is it makes us seekers. It does. What did the disciples do? (laughs) They went and sought out Jesus sleeping on the boat. It makes us seekers. It drives us to our knees. It humbles ourselves and realizes, you know, actually, I don't have the kind of strength. Everything maybe, you know, I don't have what it takes. I have to surrender. Just like those helpless disciples. They have to come to Jesus in the boat. When the calm was restored... the disciples asked one final question in this story. They said, who is this guy? Who who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Who is Jesus of Nazareth? That's a question that every soul in this world has to answer. Well, with Peter, we as disciples of Jesus proclaim Him to be the Son of God who came into this storming world. A storm that rages across humanity that is dissolving us into so much misery and division, hatred and darkness. And what did he do? He took all of that into himself. All of our fears. All of our failures. All of those secrets we don't want anybody ever to know. All of that crap in our lives. And he took it to a place called the skull, Golgotha. And there, in that darkness, He descended into the abyss of that storm in death for our sins. To rescue us from ourselves. And in His resurrection proclaimed who he is, the Lord of life. Follow along as I read the words of Paul that I read just earlier. We have come to the conviction, and you know what? The word conviction comes from the Latin convictus, which means with victory. We have come to the victory that one has died for all, therefore all have died, Indeed he died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Jesus conquered the storms. He conquered it. So that we are when we get into those storms and we do get terrified you will it just happens. We know that we have a refuge, we have a harbor. We have someone that can go there because he's in the boat with us. Every one of us wrestles with storms in our lives. We will. And they can sometimes be overwhelming. Some of you may right now be wrestling with some storms. Well, what Jesus does is says, peace be still. Take it to the one who calms the storm with the breath of his mouth. Anchor your life in the word of Jesus and his most precious body and blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. What he says to you today is peace, be still, you're not alone, I'm with you because I'm in your boat.